We're on a thousand planets and spreading out. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. To the bat poles. May the force be with you. Who is that mask man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. As always, we'll begin the show with some genre-related news. NASA has begun to assess damage to its Artemis I moon rocket from Tropical Storm Nicole, which hit its Florida spaceport on Thursday. Artemis I had rolled back out to the pad on November 4th. Nicole's approach caused NASA to delay the planned launch from November 14th to November 16th. However, Mission team members opted to keep the rocket on the pad through landfall of the storm, which grew considerably stronger than early forecasts predicted. Sensors at the launch pad recorded peak wind gusts of 82 miles per hour at an altitude of 60 feet during Nicole's passage. Those wind speeds are within the rocket's capability. The Artemis One stack a Space Launch System SLS rocket topped by an Orion crew capsule is designed to handle winds of up to 85 miles per hour at the 60-foot level. Weather has already kept Artemis One on the ground longer than originally planned. The mission was supposed to fly in late September, but NASA rolled the rocket off the pad and back to Kennedy Space Center's Vehicle Assembly Building to shelter from Hurricane Ian. Artemis One is the first mission in NASA's Artemis program of moon exploration. Artemis One will send the Orion crew capsule on an uncrewed trip to lunar orbit and back. If all goes well, Artemis Two will launch astronauts on a mission around the moon as early as 2024. And if current schedules hold, Artemis Three will land astronauts near the lunar south pole in 2025 or 2026. A federal judge has blocked Penguin Random House's proposed purchase of Simon & Schuster. The merger would have united two of the country's largest book publishers. Judge Florence Y. Pan, who heard the case in United States District Court for the District of Columbia, stated that the merger would substantially harm competition in the U.S. market for publishing rights for potential top-selling books. Penguin Random House is the world's largest book publisher, while Simon & Schuster is the fourth largest. Penguin Random House said in a statement, We strongly disagree with the decision, which is an unfortunate setback for readers and authors, and we will immediately request an expedited appeal. As we demonstrated throughout the trial, the Department of Justice's focus on advances to the world's best-paid authors instead of consumers or the intense competitiveness in the publishing sector runs contrary to its mission to ensure fair competition. The high-profile trial was closely watched by the literary world 
and included testimony from authors as well as executives of Penguin Random House, Simon & Schuster, as well as rival publishers. Among the authors was popular horror writer Stephen King, who argued strongly against the merger, stating, consolidation is bad for competition and that it becomes tougher and tougher for writers to find money to live on. Executives from rival publishers such as Hatchet and HarperCollins also testified against the sale. The government argued that a merger would result in fewer options for authors to find publishers for their work. The order to block the deal may indicate stricter enforcement by the Justice Department against future mergers, which could extend beyond the publishing industry to media and tech companies. Variety reported yesterday that Disney will begin enacting layoffs, implementing a targeted hiring freeze, and limiting company travel as part of a sweep, cost-cutting move. The news comes four days after Disney presented its quarterly earnings results, which sent the company's stock price falling to its lowest in over two years, from $101 on Monday to just under $87. Prices have since rebounded to about $95 as of Friday evening. While subscriptions for Disney Plus exceeded expectations, Disney reported an operating loss for its streaming segment of $1.47 billion for the quarter, which ended October 1, 2022, about $800 million more than the year-earlier period. Disney CEO Bob Shapek sent a, message, a memo Friday to employees announcing the moves, as well as formation of a cost structure task force led by the CEO, Chief Financial Officer Christine McCarthy, and General Counsel Horatio Gutierrez to further cut the company's expenses. Yaha Abdul-Mateen II has been cast as lead in the upcoming Disney Plus series Wonder Man. The actor is familiar with superheroes, having portrayed Black Manta in the Aquaman movies and as Dr. Manhattan on HBO's Watchmen. And last week, it was announced that Stargirl on The CW has been canceled as of the conclusion of its third season on the network. The final episode will be broadcast on December 7th. Neil Gaiman's The Sandman has been renewed for a second season on Netflix. And Westworld has been canceled after four seasons on HBO. Some recent anniversaries as X-Men, the animated series, debuted on Fox Kids 30 years ago on October 31, 1992. Godzilla, directed by Ishiro Honda, with special effects by Eiji Tsuburaya. Tsuburaya. Oh my God, I can't believe I messed this guy's name. Come back to that. <laughs> Uh, was released 68 years ago on November 3rd, 1954. John Carpenter's They Live opened in theaters 34 years ago on November 4th, 1988. Kenneth Johnson's The Incredible Hulk debuted on CBS TV 45 years ago on November 4th, 1977. And Wonder Woman, starring Linda Carter and Lyle Wagoner, debuted on ABC TV 47 years ago on November 7th, 1975. Some recent deaths to report as Danny Bolandi passed away on November 1st. The Filipino comics artist was well known as a penciler and inker, working for DC as well as Marvel. His credits include Captain America, 
The Fantastic Four, Daredevil, West Coast Avengers, The Blue Beetle, and The Further Adventures of Indiana Jones. He was 76. British comic book artist Kevin O'Neill also died earlier this month. O'Neill was best known to genre audiences as co-creator of Nemesis the Warlock, Martial Law, and The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He was 69. Legendary Spanish comics artist Carlos Pacheco succumbed November 9th after a battle with uh, the neurodegenerative disease ALS. Pacheco worked for both Marvel and DC on numerous titles, including Avengers, Fantastic Four, JLA, JSA, The Flash, Green Lantern, and Superman, and X-Men, Excalibur, and Captain America. He was 60 years old. Finally, American actor Kevin Conroy passed away on November 10th. Conroy was best known to genre audiences for having voiced Batman for numerous animated projects. He was 66. Black Panther Wakanda Forever is poised to open at number one at this weekend's domestic box office. Between opening day and Thursday night previews, the film earned $84 million and is projected to take in between $185 and $200 million over the weekend. We'll get to the discussion immediately following the official, the, the official spoiler-free review of the movie. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. Black Panther was the movie phenomena of 2018. It helped Marvel Studios dominate the domestic box office. It became a cultural sensation and had a profound impact on the African-American community, which supported it like no superhero film before. And it was like no other Marvel movie, as it featured not only a predominantly black cast, but also blacks behind the camera. Its star, Chadwick Boseman, was an up-and-coming talent who had thrilled audiences in biopics of Jackie Robinson, James Brown, and Thurgood Marshall. His portrayal of the comic book character who was an African king, statesman, and scientific genius inspired and was embraced by every segment of the black community, which took great pride in supporting the film. Borrowing from the works of such talented comics creators as Don McGregor and Christopher Priest, director Ryan Coogler crafted what can be described without hyperbole as a masterpiece of filmmaking. Then, in August of 2020, Chadwick Boseman died from colon cancer. Diagnosed in 2016, the actor had kept his condition secret to all but a tight-knit inner circle of family and friends. His tragic and untimely passing was a devastating blow to his colleagues and fans. Black Panther Wakanda Forever is born out of that grief. The film is a testament to Bozeman's life and extraordinary career, particularly his role as T'Challa, the Black Panther. T'Challa, Black Panther and King of Wakanda, is stricken with the mysterious illness which even the scientific genius of his sister Shuri is unable to cure. The nation of Wakanda mourns their lost king. T'Challa's death leaves a void for the Wakandans, and in the wake of his passing, they become targets for other states that covet their natural resource of vibranium and are emboldened 
knowing there is no longer a Black Panther protector. Circumstances draw Wakanda into conflict with a previously unknown and powerful country led by its own warrior king. Can Wakanda find a path through their grief and pain in time to defend itself against this new threat? Wakanda Forever is, for the most part, a well-made movie. In their grief, the filmmakers have sought catharsis through the production of this picture. I've been a proponent for recasting the lead role, but having seen Wakanda Forever, I understand that was never an option for Ryan Coogler in the cast. The impact of Chadwick Boseman's death was too profound for them to attempt anything other than a tribute. And Wakanda Forever is likely better than the sequel planned before Bozeman's illness surfaced. The film is about grief and the process of grieving. It presents the various stages of grief and addresses their impact on the characters in tangible and believable ways. It also makes some interesting statements about colonialism and colonization, although these are ultimately secondary. The cast is excellent. Reprising their roles from Black Panther are Letitia Wright, Angela Bassett, Denai Guerrero, Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Florence Kasumba, and Martin Freeman. Joining the cast are Tina Huerta, Dominique Thorne, Mabel Cadena, Michaela Cole, and Alex Livinali. Letitia Wright steps up as star in her role as Shuri. Her grief and anger are at the center of this picture. Angela Bassett's role also expanded. And Dominique Thorne stood out for me. The young actress has just completed work on the Disney Plus original series, Ironheart, where audiences will see more of her Riri Williams character. I don't know of another Hollywood picture in which so many great African-American actresses get the opportunity to shine. And Tena Huerta does a great turn as one of Marvel's earliest characters from the golden age of comics, Namor the Submariner. I think audiences will respond positively to Wakanda Forever. Marvel movies have seen certain performers inexorably associated with the characters they portray. I think this is especially the case with Chadwick Boseman. And given the sensation Black Panther generated in the African-American community, there are a great many who need the healing this film will provide. It is a wonderful tribute to Boseman. Kugler and co-writer Joe Robert Cole have crafted a story that will tie up some loose ends and that the audience will find satisfying and entertaining. Even contrarians will appreciate the commitment to honoring Bozeman while advancing a taut and exciting MCU tale. And there is plenty of fan service that die-hard comics readers will recognize that is sure to satiate them too. As with Black Panther, there is a movie soundtrack. Featured artists include Rihanna, Burna Boy, Thames, and Fireboy DML, among others. Ludwig Gordonson returns for the movie score. Be prepared, as this isn't a short movie. Black Panther Wakanda Forever runs a hefty 2 hours and 41 minutes. While it didn't feel overly long to me, it could have been edited down without a loss of any essential elements. Although there are lots of characters and lots happening to occupy the audience, so you won't be checking the time, You'll probably be aware of it, though. It's rated PG-13 for action, adventure, drama, fantasy, sci-fi, thriller. I wouldn't take children younger than about 11 or 12. Like most Marvel movies, Wakanda Forever isn't too violent and has no nudity, sex, and there's minimal questionable language. 
be sure to hang around for the mid-credits scene. All in all, a film driven by grief that provides a welcome catharsis and offering a bit more substance than other MCU movies. Three stars out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Four. All right, the official FF review of Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which opened in theaters yesterday. So a lot of people are a lot of people are going to see that movie. It's a heck of a thing. Anyway, joining me today for this edition are Julian Lytle and Black Gorbachev, Philip Jean Pierre. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hello. Hello. Yeah. So um, hey, before we uh, before we really get into it, um, I just have to mention. Uh, the the because well there were a bunch of people who died and I'm sure you know we can give a moment to uh, all of these guys because I know especially some of the comic book artists um, you guys are going to have an appreciation for but I want to start out with the most recent passing which was uh, that of uh, Kel- Kevin Conroy and of course we know Kevin Conroy because I am vengeance I am the knight I am Batman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was yep. he was the voice of Batman and uh that one I mean I I've seen a lot of outpourings of remorse and, and grief all over the internet and I I I'm just I me too cuz that was one where I saw and it, it, it first People weren't sure. It was like, well, some people are saying that Kevin Conroy died, and I was looking, and I couldn't find confirmation. But uh, when I heard it was his uh, his his uh, friends from the animated series who were posting it, I'm like, well, confidence is high, so I'm gonna report it. And uh, regrettably, it turned out that it was not a hoax. But I'm just wondering um, how you guys feel about that. And uh, Black Gorbachev, uh, let's give you a few words. Uh. It's kind of weird because, like, honestly, that's kind of, like, his Batman. I've always considered him to be, like, the premium Batman. Like, uh, I mean, Michael Keaton aside, um, and Adam West, which is a completely different animal. Um, he was, like, the perfect Batman, and it was so, um, I guess I'll use uh, important and salient, that one of the questions I like asking folks is, do you remember where you were when you saw the very first episode of that Batman? And I mean, I remember exactly where I was. I was, I think we were, I think it was in the dorm in 2000 or somewhere, just hanging out. And like, it came on and we literally said, what is this? So, yeah, and Kevin Conroy has pretty much been, that's the guy you want to see. And they recently put him in one of the WB uh, crossovers for Crisis, which is really oh, yeah. cool to see him. And I remember that and just kept thinking to myself, you know, He's a hard act to follow. Like, I know it's like, you know, Bale, Affleck, and whoever. But, like, him and Keaton are pretty much, as far as I'm concerned, like, the two preeminent Batman. Um, but, again, no disrespect to Adam West. He's, like, a, he's a completely different, like, animal in that direction. So you can't really put him in that category, per se. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear you. There, there's no real comparison. You know, although, and it's, it's funny, because, uh, Julian, I'm going to ask you next. And One of the things I thought was fascinating was how, it, with Young Justice, they went with somebody else for Batman's voice. Yeah. And I'm like, mm -hmm. what in the hell is this? I mean, you know, because <laughs> Warner Brothers Animation, you know, I mean, not that that guy did a bad job, but he wasn't <laughs> Kevin Codroy. But, you know, what do you think? Um, yeah, yeah, for as, I guess... I'm sad he passed away, but from what I, the last time I saw him, he looked really frail. Yeah. So when when, when I got the, the when the homies texted, I was like, dang, like I'm not surprised because he looked frail. Like yeah, I think he like at the time I was like I think I heard he was sick. Yeah, and that's I was cancer. Like, I was like, mm. like I think uh, um a big moment is because he was he had a story, in this year's DC Pride anthology. And so yeah, he, he came out, out came out publicly. Yeah. I kind of mm -hmm. heard that he was gay before that, so I wasn't. Mm -hmm. Again, these are things where I, like I wasn't surprised, but mm -hmm. you know, I also have some friends hit like hit me up like, oh my god, like he came out, he was gay. I was like, yeah, like that's like a major thing, like the preeminent voice of Batman through like two two main things. You know, you have the DC animated universes, which, which Philip was talking about, and then you had for a lot of people, he was the voice of Batman in the Arkham the Arkham series of mm, video games yeah. where it's a very mm -hmm. huge franchise. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they did that on purpose. Like, Mark Hamill was also the Joker. Like, mm -hmm. they, it was purposeful. But, like, it is right. For for the modern audience, that's the voice of Batman. It's such the voice of the voice of Batman that I remember watching interviews with Christian Bale on, like, his voice, how you feel about it or not, is that he was trying to do what Kevin Conroy was doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it's up to, yeah. it's up to like, however you successful he was, mm -hmm. but literally that was his like, oh, this is the standard and I need to reach, this is what I need to reach to, if I'm gonna play Batman. And I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, that lets you know um, what it is. Uh, yeah, man, like uh, uh, a major, a major focus and, and key component of what made modern Batman for a lot of people. It's gone. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think there's any question that Batman the Animated Series is the definitive presentation of the Cape Crusader, Gotham's Guardian. Mm -hmm. I think that it is certainly the closest representation of what you will find in the comic books to any TV show or movie that has come out. You know, Batman the Animated Series, in my estimation, has been the most consistent in terms of how close it is to what you will find of the comic book experience. And um, I, I, I remember when it, when it first started broadcasting, you know, I mean, it was uh, on, on Leather Wings, I think, the Man Bat episode was the yep. first one. And I was bugging looking at this thing. I was like, whoa, wait a minute, because Batman wasn't pulling no punches. I mean, and, and they got everything about that because his detective skills, his fighting ability, um, you know, the whole uh, dual identity with Bruce Wayne. I mean, I was just, I was loving that show. And I, I literally, I was, I was excited for the next episode and for like every episode of that thing. And then, of course, that led to a bunch of other Warner Animation projects, including Superman the Animated Series and Justice League. And it continued to have his voice. And he just extended this incredible run of, yeah. of doing this. And, yeah. and he was so good. 
He was so good. It was like, oh, man. I mean, I remember in um, the second Batman-Superman team-up, the Demon Reborn, where they were fighting Ra's al Ghul. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that one opened up in Metropolis. And then Super Batman kind of shows up and uh, helps him out. And uh, Superman is, oh, just happened to be in the neighborhood? He's, do you have any idea who they are? The Society of Shadows. I've been trailing them for weeks, hoping they'd lead me to Ra's al Ghul. Who? <laughs> a criminal mastermind more dangerous than the Joker and Luthor put together. <laughs> I mean, it was like, oh, damn, listen to these guys. It was like... <sighs> Oh. Yeah, Tim Daly was also a perfect superhero. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <You laughs> like, it's yeah. it is like, oh, these, they're, they're really working hard, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and the two of them playing off of each other. I'm sorry, Philip, what were you going to say? Can we also talk about the fact that, honestly, outside of Batman, he was just, there is no one who had a harsh word to say about the man. He was genuinely, from what I could see at shows, extremely gracious and kind, and like all of his cast members said the same thing about him. And that's a rare treat because there's stories about him just being nice to people about this fight. Because, like, let's face it, like, you know, you're a voice actor, you're Batman, you could, your head could get a little bit swollen. <laughs> so, for no reason, like, he just decided, like, he was like, him personally was just like, you know what? I love my fans. I love this genre, man. Like, because, like, just remember, he was trained as a, in, in, at Juilliard. Juilliard, you know? yes. So it's not like Juilliard's like we got a voice acting division. He was like <laughs> he was trained to be a real act, like like an act, quote unquote, actor's actor. Mm-hmm. He became a voice actor, and he did not see that as a step down. He just saw this as another acting challenge, and he brought a hundred percent to it, which is why it was great. Mm-hmm. So I was yeah. So that's pretty much that's, that's the other reason why I think it hurt a lot of people seeing him go because it was like. It's very rare to see a person literally throw themselves into a role and own it, like because that's a hard thing to do, and especially make it believable and make everyone know that you say Batman, his name is the one. Kevin Conroy is the is the first is the name that comes up. It's not the, it's not the top one, at least within the top two or three. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So uh, you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses Campbell. I'm joined today by Philip Jean-Pierre, Black Gorbachev, and (laughs) Julian Lytle. We've been talking a little bit about the uh, sad passing of Kevin Conroy. I'd like to just um, say a couple of words about some of these other uh, creators who passed away because and you know some of them were earlier in the month but particularly Carlos Pacheco because I've seen you know so many people you know with with his work on DC and Marvel you know with the the JSA and JLA stuff and Avengers um Yo, it's Fantastic it? 4 though that yep. his X-Men and Fantastic 4 though <laughs> mm. yeah, his Superman run was fine his Superman run was flames Ooh. Mm. Uh, yeah. um, I will freely say the first time I saw him, and I guess not you not the first time, but the first time he really like showed up on my radar. He originally done work for Marvel for the UK division, the short-lived Marvel mm. UK. Mm-hmm. But he did a four-issue Bishop story, like in my opinion, probably one of the best-looking, if not best, story of Bishop I have ever seen. And it is still to this day probably one of the books that I have said they have never collected into a giant trade or none that I found. Mm. And I saw that, and there was stuff he was doing artistically that was so subtle and so like 
Like, like you honestly don't know how important it is to keep reading the book. Like, oh, he just did that thing, and and like, I mean, yeah, he was like, he, he was one of the dudes that I looked at for a huge influence. And like I said, and yeah, and when he did X Men and, and Bishop, but to this day, my favorite thing he's ever done is still Justice League versus the JSA. It, I mean, it was. It, it was. It, I, I, I'm gonna say it, it was. It was Perez esque. The number of people he the, with the, the with the number of people he threw in that book, and how he sold it, and the moves he threw in there. It was. It's it's a masterclass in storytelling. Yeah, I love his art. I mean, he had a real clean style. Uh, you know, everybody everybody always looked good when Carlos mm-hmm. Pacheco drew him. You know. So yeah, yeah. Hey, and um, you know we got uh, we got two more that we got to talk about here a little bit. Mm-hmm. Danny Bolandi, you know, he was like the first uh, at the beginning of the month. Mm-hmm. And, I'm not too uh, familiar with his work. Yeah. Well, he he did a lot of work as an inker, and okay. uh, you know a lot of people yeah. were more familiar with him for that. But he was also uh, you know an artist, and um, you know I wasn't as familiar. You know, there's so many guys, and you know I, I, it's more of the silver and bronze age guys that I'm kind of mm-hmm. up on. But um, but I remember his stuff, and again, one of these DC and Marvel guys, Captain America, FF, Daredevil, Blue Beetle, uh, Further Adventures of Indiana Jones, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then of course Kevin O'Neill, and uh, you know I, um, I I wasn't as up on you know Nemesis the Warlock and Martial Law, but I had really loved his stuff, uh, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and uh, you know and working with. Um, crazy ass Alan Moore you know? and, uh, but it and and it was a strange kind of style that O'Neill had but it really worked for that particular property and uh, so anyway uh, yeah he's, he's lost all right go ahead mm-hmm. Philip. Oh, my part, my part, um, I actually enjoyed him but the weird part is, is he had those they really they referred to him a lot as like a polarizing figure because you there was literally no middle ground either you liked his stuff or you did not and I originally started off in the camp of people who didn't really like his stuff because I didn't know any better. And I went after I saw his League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and thought that was just amazing. I started reading his old stuff and went. And his, like I said, the stuff I really got into was his 91 stuff, uh, the martial law stuff, like you said. And I just kept thinking to myself, I should have found this dude earlier. Like, he, like, literally, his stuff was just, it was non traditional, but you looked at it and it was just like, it was another one of those like perfect storytellers that you know yeah it didn't look like the traditional stuff and at the time it was like oh it's not the image style that was going on right now but his stuff was so tight and the fact that he could work with alan moore's <laughs> insane regiment of like ideas made him just made him made him amazing in my opinion mm, yeah no and and i agree with all of that and i would just add that uh, you know in in because it, it got to a point where a lot of people's stuff was very similar and you know this guy's style absolutely stood out and he was a tremendous storyteller absolutely knew how to tell a story you know so uh, but yes yeah, so many of these uh, great great talents lost and all within a period of a couple of weeks but hey that musical cue means that it's time for us to take a short break because of course fantastic forum comes to you via wera 96.7 fm in arlington virginia we're a community radio station and among other things that means we're non-commercial we rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters sponsors and listeners like you 
to be able to operate this wonderful community institution, visit the website at WERA.FM or that of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media at ArlingtonMedia.org. Find out how you can make your tax-deductible gift today. It's getting close to the end of the year. You want to make sure you get that in so you can claim it on your taxes next year. Uh, Do it for me. So look, we got a lot more that we're going to be talking about in the second half of the show. Of course, the movie event of the year, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, just opened yesterday. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about that in the second half of the show. So if you haven't seen it, there will be spoilers. You've been warned. So uh, stick around because Julian and Black Gorbachev and I are going to be back right after this. Don't go away. And welcome back to the Fantastic Forum here on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming online via WERA.FM Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell and I'm joined today by Black Gorbachev, Philip Jean-Pierre and Julian Lytle. And we were talking about some of the regrettable passings of so many talented performers when we took the break and um, I've just uh, I just got to hit this again because it's a thing I am vengeance (laughs) I am the knight I am Batman Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> because Kevin Conroy was one of the people who passed away, and uh, I just love playing that clip. Anyway, <laughs> though, um, somebody and 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 fellas, I'm gonna challenge you with this because uh, mm-hmm. something that opened yesterday, a project driven entirely by grief, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, and be warned, there will be spoilers <laughs> if you haven't seen it. And I can't imagine that you haven't because I've been seeing an army of colored folks on my social media dressed in white <laughs> taking pictures at this movie, doing the arm bar thing. And, you know, it's just embraced it. Taking kids. I don't necessarily think that, you know, kids younger and about 11 need to see this movie. But, hey, they probably saw people. the first one. So if they can see the first one, they can see this one. Well, I, I, I guess. <laughs> I guess. And, of course, with all Marvel movies, uh, there's no sex. Uh, there's minimal bad language. Uh, the violence is uh, kind of cartoony, super action stuff. But, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm wondering, because I think you guys heard my review. I'm just I'm wondering what you all thought, because you were both there on Monday mm-hmm. night <laughs> for the <laughs> press screening when we saw this thing. And uh, it was just it was interesting to me because, uh, I mean, obviously, this this movie was such a phenomena in the African-American community and um, watching people react to this and hey they're embracing it the same way that they embraced that first black panther movie so philip um how'd you feel what'd you say so let me let me just start off and say i did for the most part i did enjoy the movie a lot 
Uh, however, there was there was some critique, critical stuff that I thought that was a little like I think because of the situation they missed a couple of beats or more than a couple actually in the movie. But overall, let me just say this: visually, the movie is is masterful. I genuinely enjoy it. The the only the first concern I had was Namor because they went away from the comic, and my first concern was maybe they were going to go for just an aesthetic change, but not like an actual like actual like deep deep dive change that kind of explained like why he looks that way, mm-hmm. uh, the way he did. He's different. Honestly, I will say the deep dive into the cultural. Re, like basically re, redefining of Namor was great. Ah, deep uh, dive, no pun intended, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but honestly, that and but oh, and and like I understand the emotional parts that they were trying to hit, an emotional beast they were trying to hit. And I think we talked about this a little bit. I think they kind of missed a lot of them because there was like there was a sense of. They were the story was moving too fast. They didn't actually give you time to really absorb what was going on. Because I understand the story is basically about their grief about T'Challa and then having to deal with this new threat. But it was one of those things where it was like, "Bang, our boy is gone," and it was like, "Ooh, now we got a new threat." Like there is like it feels a little bit rushed, which is saying something for a movie that's two hours and forty one minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen some people talking about that too. So. But overall, like I said, overall I gave it a I gave it like a B minus C plus. Uh, I don't think it was a bad movie, but I do think that it was one of those they were up against the gun and what they they did the best they could despite their grief. And I think we may have talked about this as well as the fact that for some of them they tried to be objective about how they were acting and it was just it felt in some places it was thought it was a little stilted. Um, I was most annoyed with the lack of Michaela Cole, in my opinion. Like, they made a really big thing about her being in there, so did she. And honestly, if we got five minutes of dialogue from her, I would be shocked. She was a great character from the time we saw her, but it was just like, I needed more Michaela Cole. Um, Just because I'm a big fan of her. So, I mean, I feel that that's probably a little biased. Uh, but again, they did a great job with Riri, um, Ironheart, um, and she was just like seeing her on there was great. I mean, the argument could be made that maybe, you know, did we need Riri in this story? Eh, that might have been a Marvel, a Marvel quote unquote requirement to go uh, mandate. Can you put Riri in this movie? But yeah, I mean, I think people enjoy it. I think the emotional aspect of it. Needed a little bit of work to kind of sell it. Um, Shuri did a good job. The chemistry in the movie was great. Um, and that's, like I said, there are, but there are some stuff that I think they missed the beat on that kind of kept it from being a great movie or great, a truly great tribute to, um, to, um, to, to Chadwick Boseman. Mm, okay. Uh, Julian? Oh, Lord. What I've been dreading. <laughs> <laughs> now, come on. Bring it. Bring it, bro. Bring it. So, you, you, uh, you're still going to be objective, so, you know, no matter what. I'll keep it a buck. I ain't like the first movie. Okay. So, <laughs> I went into this movie. Like, let me do this job. And I was like, why is this two hours and 45 minutes? Because the, the credits feel like five mm. minutes long, <laughs> even though it's two hours and 41 minutes. Um, uh, so. <laughs> I think uh, f- 
for me the film was too too was too much about the grieving of an, a real life person versus the adaptation of a character and continuing a, a franchise uh, it doesn't fit that well into the overall super franchise structure what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is I do think that the movie it actually looks like a film because we actually have a filmmaker uh not saying that other people aren't filmmakers, but he clearly he gets a little bit more um, leeway in terms of what he wants to do, in terms of how the film looks. Um, I think this is something that the majority of the audience, especially the black American audience, and I guess maybe the diaspora, uh, diasporic audience uh, would like and needs and, and it's for them. It's not for me. Uh, I don't like some of the decisions. Namor was done pretty well, thanks to the actor. Mm. Riri Williams was good. There was no need to have Martin Freeman in this movie. There was no reason to have Ju- uh, Julie Williams-Dreyfus in this movie for as long as they did. You wasted time, cut all that out, put in another white person, preferably Bucky, because he actually makes sense to be that in the story. That would have made more sense. He can actually do something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I can get you information. He can actually fight with you. He might be able to <laughs> punch a... Uh, I came to call them Atlanteans, <laughs> a Tulakonian in, in the face. Um, maybe Io would have had more than two lines. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of wasted characters, a lot of stuff going around, uh, like like you missed, but they never explained. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Why they killed T'Challa though? And if you killed him, why he go out like a G? I, yeah, I don't like that, that. I do agree with you on that one. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I remember you were sitting there. You were saying you thought he was going to get washed. You know? <laughs> I was like, yo, you going to get washed. It makes sense. I don't have the, what, the two Lacadians get him or something. Or it could be more, somebody. You know? It could yeah. be anybody. Mm-hmm. It could have been a, it, it could, it could have been freaking the random green goblin from, <laughs> from Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man 2. You could have, he could uh, tie it together. Like, you know what I'm saying? I would say 100% I agree with that because they are real vague about his passing in the movie. And you're sitting there going, really? You're only going to give that joint a two, three-minute reference? It's not even just vague. It's the, he, he, is, is it, you did the spoiler warning. He dies like Chadwick Boseman. I don't like mm-hmm. the character being that blended with the actor. Mm-hmm. I don't care what people feel. I don't mm-hmm. care that black people like to call people by their character name instead of their actual name. I don't care. <laughs> I don't call Daniel Craig James Bond. He ain't the first James Bond. Roger Moore passed away. Is James Bond dead? No. Sean Connery's dead. The person people actually consider James Bond. Guess what? James Bond gonna be back. They killed him in the movie. He's still gonna be back in about four or five years. I don't care. It's not right. <laughs> It's wrong. Now you're. Hey, you are preaching to the choir. With I know that. you feel a way because <laughs> yeah. I feel a way because I don't think it's respectful to the people who created him. I don't think it's mm-hmm. respectful to people who did the work to make him the character that they did to uh, adapt it to what this is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I damn sure don't think it's okay for all the fans like you, Ulysses, who bought this character as a child. Mm. And y'all went this to 2018? Mm. Mm. <laughs> Waited. <laughs> Waited. Batman didn't yeah. even die in a movie yet. He faked his death and got a happy ending. And they cast two other people since it. There's two Batman at the same time. 
<laughs> and guess what? There's going to be another Batman. <laughs> They're just going to keep on casting them. Mm -hmm. They're going to have three Jokers at the same time. It don't matter. Watch the child got to die. Thank you. you know, I, and, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. That was my argument as well. It's like, and even T'Challa, I mean, T'Challa, even Chadwick said the same thing. I, I am playing T'Challa. T'Challa is not playing me. Mm, mm. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, all right, here's, here's the thing, because I was, and I'm still really salty about this. I'm still really <laughs> salty about it. But after seeing this movie, because, and I, it, I came out pretty much expecting, oh, one moment. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Julian Lytle and Black Gorbachev, Philip Jean-Pierre. We've been talking a little bit about the latest, greatest movie from Marvel Studios, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which just opened yesterday. So, um, but here's the thing. Um, I, I, and it, I, again, I came out of it pretty much... It, thinking it, like that this was what it was going to be. I figured it was going to be a good movie, but I wasn't really going to care for it. And I liked it a little more than I had expected. Again, it was a good movie, but I'm salty about uh, them killing off the T'Challa character because, it, like, uh, you know, actually, uh, Philip, you and Julian had, had expressed, it, it, this is Chadwick Boseman who suffered an untimely and tragic death, not T'Challa. And for them to kill T'Challa, I felt was unnecessary. But after seeing the movie, I understand that, let's say they had decided they were going to recast, these people weren't going to be able to do that. I mean, Angela Bassett, you know, then Letitia Wright, and even Ryan Coogler, they would have been choking on this while they were shooting this thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, now, personally, what I would have done was, okay, we're just not making this movie. You know? I'll just recast the whole thing. That would have been another way to go. <laughs> you can't do it. You can't do it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll find somebody else. Yeah. There's two different Hulks. Incredible yeah. Hulk has an entirely different cast of people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'll go you one better, too. And I, I hate to go here, but I'm going to go here because Superman has been played by dozens, literally dozens of performers. Batman played by dozens of performers. You going to tell me this black superhero isn't worthy of that? You going to tell me that? And I'm like, oh, well, wait, oh. technically, it says I don't know if it has anything to be black. James Rose is two different people. Well, I know. I, well, yes. Yeah, that, now, that's true. And, and I'm just Marvel sticking with incongruity. Yeah, Marvel ordinarily doesn't do that. But then that was pretty early on. Because what, that was movie. like their second or third movie? Second Iron Man movie. 2? Yeah, you know, it's second like... Second movie. And here is no, like... No, third movie. Because, again, Incredible Hulk. Yes. If you want to get really, really, really like in a sense of movies do this all the time, what about... And I realize this is a departure, so bear with me. Poirot is one of my favorite uh, fictional characters. The number of people that have played that man, not just in the U.S. or overseas in Europe, but in Japan, I think totals around 20 different people. The fact that people are in their feelings about replacing Chadwick Boseman, who literally could not do it anymore, I could not understand the reason they have for it. Like, it's like, just, just hamstring the franchise, why don't you? Philip, mm. Philip. Mm-hmm. Thunderball Ross about to be Han Solo. Ain't nobody, <laughs> ain't nobody caring. <laughs> my man, did, 
didn't hurt. He passed away. Yeah, he passed did, away, they, right? They, yeah, they didn't retire yeah. Thunderbolt Ross. He about to be Han Solo. <laughs> Indiana Jones is going to be is the man who chases the Hulk because he loves his his daughter. Is Han Solo going to be Red Hulk? Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. But I can't get I can't get John Boyega's goddamn going with T'Challa, King of Wakanda, the Black Panther. Cause yeah, all this, that's your, that, that's your right there. Every, everybody talk about, mm. oh, who can play? Like, oh, well, how about you get an actual amazing actor of Nigerian descent <laughs> who's already been in three Star Wars movies, so you know he bankable, and we know who he is. He already got action figures, don't he? Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he could just put on his Nigerian accent. <laughs> the, yeah. Oh my God! I mean, I, I, I didn't think about John Boyega. I'm like, oh, that's, that's a brilliant. See the woman, right there, see man. the woman king, and you'll be like the child is standing right in front of me. Oh, that's right. Oh, you right. That's right. I remember he was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the purple, was, with the purple was, robe on. Yeah, he was the child asking that one. <laughs> I'm just saying. Ooh, it's, I could go off. It's, it's been give me tight. Yeah, yeah. But but I tell you. But again, again, the colored folk on my feed. You know, what I mean, it's like, and I mean, I I'm seeing people. I mean, folks are buying out showings of this. You know, mm-hmm. this guy I know. You know, with the uh, project Project Hope. And I'm not going to drop his name other than that, but, you know, the whole theater, you know, taking people to see this. You know, you're seeing it, and it's like there's like a dozen of them, and they all in white. They make, they They're go- they've seen it more than once. I can't they were that. there on Thursday. They were there on Friday. They're probably going again tonight. I can't stand you know? that. Can't, can't stand it. Where was y'all at with Woman King? Why did it only make barely $100 million? It, it mm. hasn't made $100 million yet. These mm. were real people. Mm. They really fought white people. Yeah. And they got some stuff in the beginning where they asked was part of slave trade. That may mm. be true. Real people, black woman director, yeah. black producer, this black stars, all black women. Where was y'all at? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yep. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I, I've had that conversation. I was mm. like, what was wrong with it? Everybody started doing think pieces on it. Talking about, I don't know if we should go to it because of the slave trade. It's like they talked about it in the beginning. It ain't going to be about the whole thing. So yeah, and, and, and it's funny. The intro, the other thing that I found that I, I am surprised that Marvel pretty much kind of buried the lead on is that Black Panther is a woman-led cast. Yes, that's a woman-led. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's a heck. They let the pictures do the talking. Yeah, but but it, sometimes you <laughs> gotta fi- throw. They fight a they fight a super Mexican man. <laughs> <laughs> See, he, they just played he, in the stereotype. He had, he had that machismo Yo, going too. My man got the sauce. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait till he start flirting with Susan Storm. I can't wait to hear that thirst come out. You mean Mr. Mr. Your girlfriend? <laughs> he, he gets to do, he gets to do it on the screen. He gets to put on the charm. I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there watching. Going, that dude gonna steal everybody's girlfriend. I, mean, I don't care who it is. I'm like, ooh, I can't. <sighs> Ooh. He got their pointy ears and them wing tips. Mm. Right. He was pretty. He, he, he was pretty charming with Shuri. I was like, mm-hmm. I, I felt some intensity when <laughs> I was sitting in the. Th- I said, Oh, there's some intensity here. <laughs> he got five yeah, years we, of game. We needed more of that. We needed more of that. <laughs> more of that too. But because it was such a stack, stack movie, we didn't get enough of that. Like I would have loved to see them go a little deeper with their relationship. 
because they were doing something in the beginning. I was like, oh, this is getting interesting. Oh, and God knows they had the time. Because, and Julian, you called it. It was like, what well, was that? What was Julia Louis Dreyfus doing in this movie? Why? <laughs> no, Why? it's like, what? Yeah, all that stuff was superfluous. This doesn't even set up Thunderbolts. Why are you here? <laughs> yeah, and you've got a two hour and 41 minute movie. And there was there was dead space in there, and and I, yep. I, I now I do know of a couple of folks who were like it was two hours and forty one minutes, and that's not a good thing. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh wow, check the this only, out. You know, the the only thing I think they did well on, but they went a little bit too far, was on Namor's backstory. I think they dwelled on it just a little too long because I mean they they they. I'm glad they did the backstory because like I said. They explained Namor's presence and like how he existed in the Marvel Universe and why he wasn't around. But the figure was just like that backstory took way too long. And I was just sitting there going, okay, that's enough. And also, back to the Julie Louise Dreyfus, she, unlike when she was in Captain America Winter Soldier, in this one, I found her really annoying. Like her character just did not. Feel she like was in Winter annoying. Soldier. Yeah, you didn't find her annoying in Winter because I found her annoying in Winter Soldier too. <laughs> well, in, Winter, in, Winter, in Winter Soldier, she was supposed to be that irascible and that unpleasant. Wait, so she was in Winter, Winter Soldier. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, this at, is what she re, she recruits U.S. agents. Yeah. Oh, you. But, yeah, but, oh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. You oh, thought oh, you think about the you say Winter Soldier? No, no, yeah, no, no. Yeah. The, yes. I heard she was in Black Widow too. I still ain't watched it. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm but just saying. Yeah. Like, but in this one, you're sitting before. Why are you here? <laughs> like, say you say, like Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman did fine in his role, but if you sit there going, like you said, Bucky would have been more useful in that fight. He'd have been like, useful in the whole movie. Like, yo, yeah, what's going on? Who yeah. you, I don't know. What does Everett Ross. Why does he. His role is done. Yeah. Even when you go by the comic says he's taken from. After a certain point, Priest stops writing him. Mm-hmm. He's not in the story no more. Reggie Hudlin stops putting him in the st- at a point he doesn't matter in a world where you have Shield and everything else. Mm-hmm. He doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Mm-mm. Yeah, well, and they didn't invite him to the funeral anyway. <laughs> you know, it was like a bunch of people didn't get invited to the funeral. I was like, that, that surprised what, me. I'm like, hold up, y'all was invited to Tony's funeral. Y'all ain't invite nobody. Well, you know, was Wakanda it a, was with it the closed a, borders or whatever? Wasn't Okoye you know? on the phone with with yeah, yeah. with Scott with yeah. um with Black Widow and them talking about well, we got to fix the world? You That's ain't gonna, true. You ain't but you ain't was, call old Captain America. He couldn't he couldn't pull up in the white. <laughs> Sam couldn't pull up. <laughs> I mean, you know, Bucky would have shown up. You know, oh, I, he I thought Bucky was your man. He definitely would have shown up. You fixed him. Mm-hmm. White Vision. He a robot. He don't count as a white person. <laughs> <laughs> he already rests for it. All I know is I'm sitting there watching it going, they invited no Avengers to this to this funeral. And you got to wonder. That just tells me right now what I always said. Outside of Cap, most of the Avengers. And, well, I'm sorry. Outside of Cap and Thor, most of the Avengers, kind of trash. Go <laughs> mm. on. But I definitely know that is another conversation about pretty much how, how effed up the Avengers are. <laughs> I just take it that the, the movie has some bad continuity. <laughs> well, and we didn't even get to uh, the whole notion of the Black Panther hanging around with the Avengers because he's infiltrating them. He wants to make sure that they on the up and up. I mean, it's you know, there's more for this character to do. And again, not that I have anything against Shuri as Black Panther. Shuri was Black Panther in the comic books, but he wasn't dead. 
You know, mm-hmm. he just wasn't in that ceremonial role of Black Panther. You know, and it's just man. I mean, I just they didn't have to kill him, and it's it, and and of course Marvel movies get a pass anyway. I'm seeing all these people talking about how fantastic this movie was, and I'm like, it wasn't. It wasn't. You all see that. why? Why you see why I be so hard on it? Oh, I absolutely on all these movies. Absolutely. Well, some of them. I mean, they I've be been... giving D movies B plus scores. <laughs> no, easily. Yeah. They call it a C movie, A plus. Like it gets a ninety nine percent on the test. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. What I will say is this, and I heard I heard you reading this, and I have, and this will sound really bad. So I walked away from Black Adam more satisfied than I did Black Panther. <laughs> now, I actually figured out why that was. I will fully admit there was a lower expectation for Black Adam. However, they did a good job of being logical to the characters. Mm. Literally something that I felt like Black Panther at certain points would deviate from. Because I will tell you right now, the scene with... Um, spoiler alert for those who ain't paying attention. Oh, hey, look. Uh, uh, Philip, I hate to cut you off, but we're almost out of time. <laughs> and oh, and I can I can just hear, this is a good point, and it's going to take longer than we got. So I'm going to thank you and Julian and uh, the listeners for having tuned in. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show. You can check out complete episodes if you go to the website at fantasticforum.tv. The show re-airs here on WERA each and every Sunday afternoon from 4 to 5 p.m. And thanks to our friends at the Great Geek Refuge, you can find the radio episodes available as a podcast on all the platforms where you find your favorite podcasts. And we'll be back next week, 4 p.m., Same bat time, same bat station. Hope you all have a safe and enjoyable weekend. And, uh, you know, let us know what you think about the show. Producer at FantasticForum.tv. We'd love to hear from you. Take care, folks.